we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning, Joliet First. It's good to see you. Hey, we spared you the bumper because you're tired of that guy farting and it's really immature. So So we decided this morning not to give that to you because I know uh, it's exhausting. I do want to start by saying, fathers, thank you uh, for being fathers and happy Father's Day to you. Uh, My wife always reminds me. In fact, I took credit for saying this and I shouldn't have took credit this morning, but my wife always reminds me. She says, hey, I don't know if you know this, but you will not always be the pastor of this church. You will not always be here in this place. Uh, You will always have people in and out of your life. But at the end of the day, you will always be my husband and you will always be your boy's father. And that is the most important thing. You can clap. She's full of wisdom. And, um, And I want to encourage you this morning to remember, fathers, wherever you are, whether it's your job, uh, whatever you do in life, uh, there's nothing more important, there's nothing unique to you than what you do as a father. And so just put it in perspective and think about it this week that this is the most important thing for you. And I want to thank you for being a dad. And we want to thank you at Joliet first for being an awesome dad. And so here's what we're going to do. uh, And y'all can get ready to celebrate this. Uh, Just like we did for Mother's Day, uh, we are going to give $500 to buy backpacks for Joliet students uh, coming up in August here. We're going to give away 100 backpacks. And in your honor and in your name, we're going to give you five. We're going to give $500 to purchase um, $25 backpacks, which somebody can do the math for me. I think that's 20, Um, not 200. Somebody in our staff said 200 this week. I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but it's 20. And um, so, yeah, 20 new backpacks, but I think is getting us closer to our goal of 100 backpacks. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, dads. Yeah, let's celebrate that. $500. Um, We are in part three of this series, Grow Up. And if you've missed the first two weeks, I'm sorry you came on the worst week because this is the most impactful week. (laughs) This is going to be a hard one. I'm not going to lie. Up front, it's going to be difficult, but we're going to have fun. And the reason why we're doing this series is because it is our mission at our church for you to grow spiritually, for you to grow up spiritually. Actually, our mission is to lead you into a forward-moving relationship with Jesus. That's why you're here, and that's why we're here. And so we want that for you more than anything. And like I told you in the first week, a lot of us, though, are like my uncle at the lake house with Cheetos up his nose, and he's still eating them because he thinks it's funny. And spiritually, we're in the corners with Cheetos up our nose because we're just a bunch of children still, including myself. And it's just time for us to grow up. And so today's going to be a fun one. Uh, Would you pray for me before we begin this message? Lord, thank you for this time and this opportunity to share your word. I pray that these would be your thoughts These would be your words, and ultimately, the gospel, which is good news, would ring true with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, I often find it interesting (laughs) on Sunday mornings uh, what people think they thought I said. Uh, It's interesting because so often I look out, and I know that you're on your phones, and you're on Snapchat, you're updating your stories on Instagram, or you're texting somebody, and suddenly I will say something that is a little bit controversial, or you may have a question about, or piques your interest, and you'll look up, but you'll have no context for the conversation, and inevitably what happens is you'll come up to after, and you'll say that I said something that I never said. 
Are you with me on this? And it's so funny because then I'm put in a weird position. Do you, am I supposed to correct you because you weren't listening? Am I supposed to correct you and make fun of you and let you know that you're really not a good follower because you're on your phone the whole time? I mean, do I make you feel bad or I just correct? So usually what I'll do is I'll just not say anything. Just, you know, I'll just let it go. And this happens all the time in other ways. Sometimes people will come up to me and they'll say, and I think they've just been listening to their favorite pastor. They've been on Moody Radio. They've been on their podcast or whatever they're listening to. And they'll come up to me and they'll say, pastor, and people who are asleep will come up to me and they'll say, um, I remember it's like you said. And then they'll say something really profound. And I'll say, nope. I never said that. <laughs> and I stand there and I can't correct them, right? Because I love the fact that they think it's me and I'm taking credit for something that I, you know, I never said. But it sounds really good because it's profound. And if it was really stupid, then I would know it's me. But, but here's what also happens in church and, 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 and with you is you'll come up to me and you'll say, goodness gracious, for the life of me, I cannot remember where I heard this great advice I don't know if it was my mom or uh, if it was my principal or if it was my friend. I don't know who gave me this advice. And you will literally quote me verbatim. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, this is what I should be getting credit for. Come on. Like, you're not giving me credit when I need credit. And it really just hurts my feelings that you would take this golden nugget and give it to somebody else as though they came up with it. But you're quoting me, and I could go back to my manuscript and say, here's the highlighted note from that message. I remember it. And so what I do is I just let it go because I don't want to correct you. And here's the issue that I wrestle with pastoring often. I have credit issues because there are things that you say I say that I never said that I want to take credit for. And then there are things that you don't give me credit for that I need credit for. And I think we deal with credit issues all the time in our own lives, right? You've had people in your lives. How many of you work in a, maybe an artsy environment or a collective environment where you have a group of people who are constantly working on projects? Maybe it's a student, you know, experiment or science project, or maybe you have um, just a, an environment where people come together and they're always working on a project. But you know how it works when somebody gives you this task or they give you this project that they want to see. And you say, hey, when are we going to meet together? And you start to come together, and then you realize that they can't schedule. Your, all your schedules conflict. And what happens is you start planning and researching, and they're out partying and having a good time. And then you know when it comes time to present in front of your boss or in front of the judge, you know, when it comes to the, the science experiment that you have, you, you're presenting to them. And your friends, they're not your friends, by the way, are standing there next to you. They're next to you, and they're just, like, taking credit for, like, look what we did. This happens all the time in the corporate world uh, where, you know, you have people that are over you and they have people that are over them. And a lot of times you'll be working on a project and they'll be looking over your shoulder, making sure that it gets done. And then when it's done, they'll go to their, your, your boss and their boss and they'll say, look what I did. Knowing darn well that you were the one that created it, but they still get credit for it. See, there are times in your lives where you deserve credit that you don't get and it frustrates you. But what is also frustrating is there are times in our lives where we don't take credit for things that we should take credit for. You've had a time in your life where you've made a mistake at work, right? We make, we make mistakes at work, or there are times where um, our kids make bad decisions because of our parenting choices. We get in an accident, we say, th say something that we shouldn't say, or we know we shouldn't have said. And what happens is we often will not take credit for the things that we need to own up to. 
We have what I call, and this is the big problem for many of us, is we have credit issues. Yeah, yeah, we have credit issues. I have credit issues. You have credit issues. This is why they call them credit cards. Did you know this? They give you something that you're not ready to be responsible for. They give you an amount of money that you're not responsible for. And what happens is you spend all the credit they give you, and you spend it knowing that you can't afford it, and they know that they give it to you knowing that you can't afford it. And what happens is you spend all the money, and then when the bill comes in, you turn around and say, why did you give me that credit card? And they say, well, why did you spend it? And nobody wants to own up on why they spent what they spent and who gave the card to begin with. As my boys would say, um, they look at some people and say, you got anger issues. I would say, in the church, we have credit issues. Spiritually, we have credit issues. When it comes to growing up in our own lives, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're here today just because you're here, well, let me just say this. This principle applies even if you don't follow Jesus. So the advice that we're going to give this morning is pertinent to you, it is helpful for you, and I promise if you can just do the thing that we ask you to do at the end, then I promise it will make you a better person. And so this morning, to get where we're going to go, we're going to look at a guy named James, and you, some of you are saying, who in the world is James? James is this writer who just so happens to be the brother of Jesus. And what's really great about James is James has credit issues when it comes to Jesus. That he doesn't think Jesus is the guy who Jesus says he is. That Jesus goes around claiming to be the Messiah, claiming to be this person who's saving the world. And by the way, he says, brother, would you believe that your brother or sister was the savior of the world? Absolutely not. And so James goes around for three years following him, but always has this question in the back of his mind. Is this guy, is he legit? But what he notices is interesting because James notices something over the course of those three years with Jesus. And here's what he knows, notices. He begins to see that when Jesus has conversations with people, when he heals people, when he redeems people's life, when he, when he meets people at their deepest need and he reaches out and he touches them and he helps them, it's a credit issue. And when he's having conversation with, we call them Pharisees and Sadducees, when he's having a conversation with religious people, we find that oftentimes in the Bible, religious people, and by the way, church people, have a problem with taking credit and owning up. That whenever you look at the conversations that Jesus has with the Pharisees, a lot of times they're pointing the finger at and they're saying, look at that person, look at you, look at your problems, look at what you're doing. And James says, hey, 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 hey. Here's what I've learned. In my time with walking with my brother, who I've doubted over and over and over again, we struggle with owning up and taking credit. And so James just dives right in, and he sucker punches this right in the face, and here's what he says. He says, don't let anyone under pressure, come on, we've been talking about this over the last few weeks, under pressure, the uh-oh kind of moments. He says, don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil. Y'all with me on this? Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. I entitled this message, you don't see it, but I entitled it, You Trippin'. And then I just realized, um, I've had a, you know, I just needed to rename it, but I didn't. So it's You Trippin'. God is trying to trip me up. And then he continues, and I love what he, James says here because it's so important. He says, God is impervious to evil. 
And check this out. God puts evil in nobody's way, in no one's way. I find it interesting that often when I meet with people um, and they're going through it, when they're under pressure, when they're in their uh uh-oh kind of moments and they have no clue what to do, they will say this, "Why why is God giving me this in my life? You know, why does God give me that coworker where every morning I show up and I see their face and they see my face and I look at them and they look at me and it's this moment of we're not going to get along today. In fact, you know that when you're with them, they bring out the worst in you. They bring out the evil in you. And just over and over and over, you see them every day. You say, why, God, would you give me this person in my life? Some of you will look at your partner, you look at your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your wife and your fiancé, and you'll say the same thing. Why did you give me them? It seems like no matter what we do, we're always on thin ice. No matter what we do, like we're always fighting about something. We'll go on a date night and we'll end up in a fight. That's just how it works every time that we're together. You, you, come on, students, you guys, this is so frustrating for you guys. I get it. You're probably asking, why does God give me so many options? Like people that I can hang out with or where I can go to college or uh, you know, who I get to date. I mean, you know, there are so many options in life, and you know that those options sometimes are good and sometimes they're bad, and you struggle with which one to go to. Some of you are saying, why does God give me anxiety and depression? I know that there are many of you out there that struggle with this. I struggle with this. And a lot of times there are days you don't want to get up off the couch. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to move. You don't want to see anybody. You don't want to talk to anybody. You just want to lay in bed, go to sleep, and pretend like your life doesn't exist. And here's what frustrates me so much in church life and in Christian world is some well-meaning Christian will walk up to you and they will say this in the middle of, why did God give me kind of moment? They say this. You've heard this before. God, they say this, they look at you and they say, oh, honey, God won't give you anything you can't handle. Which sounds really kind and sweet. God won't give you anything you can't handle. But here's the thing. What they are backhandedly saying is that this is a God who intentionally places evil in your life in order for you to realize and to teach you how much you need to trust and have faith in him. And I don't know, and I think just what James is saying is, I I didn't sign up for that God. I know I didn't sign up for that God. I don't believe in this God that will give us, give us things in our lives that are evil just to see if we'll come out on top. And you're saying, but Brad, that's in the Bible. And this is why it's so important to get the Bible right. And this is why it's so important to pay attention on Sunday. It's because you walk out and you'll misquote me and you'll say something I've never said. And a lot of times we don't know the Bible and we'll just say whatever we think it says. But here's what it really says. It doesn't say God won't give you anything you can't handle. It says God won't, say it with me now, let you. God won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, there's a big difference between give you and let you. See, give you goes against the very nature of who God is. But letting you expresses the love of a God who allows you to choose those choices in your life to determine the path where you're going. He lets you because he loves you. Some people will often say, I feel led here. No, God, let you go there. 
I think we work hand in hand. I don't necessarily feel that maybe God led us here, but maybe he let us go here by our own choices. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Janelle and I had to say, yep, we'll come to Joliet. And I think that we miss out. That God is really here to help us by letting us. You see, it's like my boys. Uh, it's funny. Often, the other day, uh, they had a little guy come over to our house, and I told them. I gave them. I commanded them. I said, go play with your friend. <laughs> and he's younger, so he's not as cool, and he's not as fun, and, you know, um, they're just not on the same page. And, and they're like, oh, Dad, come on. Why do we have to? And they stomped around the house, and they were upset. But it's a lot different when they come to me and they say, hey, Dad, can we go to, and they name whatever friend's house they want to go to, and I let them. See, God lets you because he loves you. And it's so interesting that last week we talked about God is all about helping us. And in fact, at the end of this thing that Paul says that you know, he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, he said, by the way, he will provide you a way out he will provide you an opportunity out. And so I'm just trying to get to the point that we've, we've got to quit crediting God and saying, God keeps giving me these things in my life and my life is miserable. And now that we understand, hey, God loves you, so he lets you go through this. Now you're saying, fine, well, then who can I blame now? And here's where we go next in the spiritual world. And here's where we go next in our Christian lives is the devil made me do it. <laughs> If I had a dime for every time somebody said the devil was after you, on you, made you, I would be a millionaire. And James says, hey, zip it up for a minute. Nope. That's not where we start. Y'all ready for this? And here's where James goes. He says, the temptation to give into evil comes from us and only us you mean it's not my mom's fault or my dad's fault or my ex's fault or my principal's fault or my teacher's fault? Nope. Your temptation is not your boyfriend's fault, it's not your girlfriend's fault, comes from you and only you. Temptation into evil comes from us and only us. And then he continues. He says this. I think we've got it. Do we have any? Maybe, 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 not. maybe this is it. We're stuck here. We'll pause for a moment. This is good. I want you to look at me and I want you to say this with me because this is so important. I'm here because I'm here. Yeah, I think we have it up there. You can write this down. This is so important. I'm here because I'm here. I'm here because I'm here. Uh, I had a boss, my last pastor his name was dr holmes and there are many times i aspire to be like him um he's so funny you could be mad at him you know really mad at him and walk in his office and not you know walk out not knowing why you went in there to begin with uh, he was just that kind of guy really tender-hearted and sweet but he would often in our staff meeting say he would say you are he said where you are there you are over and over and over again. It was like on repeat. Where you are, there you are. Where you are, there you are. And I would look at him like you look at, like your dog looks at you when you start talking to it and you're like, ooh, 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 
and it like, you know, it turns its head and looks at you cockeyed like, what are they saying? This guy's weird. And she has no clue what you're talking about. This is how I look at my pastor like, dude, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Of course I'm in this staff meeting because I'm in this staff meeting. Of course I'm in Kansas because I'm in Kansas, like, duh. But then you begin to think about it, and it's like, no, no, no. I'm the pastor of this church, and I'm, I'm married to Janelle, and I have kids because, and the reason why I experience life up to this point the way I have is because I've made the choices in my own life to do the things that I want to do. Like, I'm here in this moment because I'm here. I exist. You are where you are because you are. And this is true, not just in good decisions, but when it comes to the bad and stupid decisions that we make too. Like, the reason your marriage is, the reason why you can't stop watching, the reason you're addicted to, the reason why you can't financially afford, the reason why you're always angry about, the reason why you can't sleep at night, the reason why you don't have any friends is because you are where you are. Because you are. I'm here. Because I'm here. And James says, you've got to own it. You've got to take credit for it. In fact, he continues, and I love this. Yeah, you can go to it. He says, we have no one to blame. Again, not your ex, not the person who made your life horrible, not your parents, not your friends. You have, I have, we have nobody to blame. And then he continues, but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. And then he continues and says this, and this is so important. Lust gets pregnant. And then it gives birth to a baby that we call sin. And then sin grows up. I love how James says, says this. He says, sin grows up. And this is so important because you can either grow up spiritually or you can grow up sinfully. You can grow up spiritually or you can grow up sinfully. And again, the whole point is that God lets you choose which way you want to go in that direction. And so he says, hey, guess what? James says, sin grows up into adulthood and becomes an absolute killer in your life. There's no one to blame but you, and only you will allow sin to grow up into your life and become an absolute killer. It will literally, literally kill you. It's like shopping on Amazon. I'm sorry, this is the only way I can explain it, because when I read this, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I can give you pictures. I don't know what those would look like. So we'll just say it's like shopping on Amazon. Have you ever had... A time in your life where you've literally had, like on my day off, it's Friday, and it's like, hey, I need to go take the helicopters out of my um, um, gutters because I've got little trees growing in there. You ever had just one thing to do in your life? Like that day that you got up, your boss came up to you, or your husband or your wife asked you to. Janelle often asked me, will you switch the laundry over, and it never gets switched over. Sorry, love. Just one thing. And this is part of the reason why, is we have one thing to do in the day, and then I get this wild thought. I know it's just me. I just get this wild thought or this wild hair. And it's like, hey, do you remember when you saw that person wearing that 
I don't know, swim trunks. By the way, I'm getting ready to the beach next week. I'll be here next week preaching, and then we're zipping out. But I need some new swim trunks because I've had swim trunks for like 10 years now, and they're a little faded, and they're red, and so everybody thinks I'm a lifeguard. <laughs> I'm not a lifeguard. <laughs> some lady last year asked me, are you a lifeguard? No, I'm not a lifeguard. So I, I, I like get distracted and I start thinking about, oh, I saw this person wearing that shirt or, you know, this would look really good. In my ki- I could use this in my kitchen. It would help me cook better or in my garage when it comes to fixing my car, I could use this kind of wrench or this, you know, these kind of sockets or whatever it is. And I get this thought that suddenly comes into my mind and I think, I wonder, you do this too, I wonder how much that costs. And so you pull out your phone and you go to your trusty Amazon app, Right? Okay, just me? Am I, the only, am I the only sinful person in here? I go on my Amazon app, and the first thing I do is I'll pull up the product, I'll click on it, and I go immediately up to the top right where it has all the stars. And if it has less than four, no more. I don't even look at it. I just, you know, I move on. So if it's got four stars, I'll look at it. But you look at the reviews, you click on them, and first what I'll do is I'll go to the negative ones. Where are all the number ones? That's what I want to know. And, and you start to read them. Hey, the shirt was too small. It was discolored. had holes in it. This is a cheap product. Don't buy it. Hey, the wrench doesn't look like it said it did online. You know, just absolutely don't buy it. But then there are times where you're like, I could live with that. That's not a big deal. Like, really not a big deal. I could, I could handle that. And so then you go all to the positive reviews, and you start. And the reason why we love positive reviews is because there are people who put pictures online. And when you're looking at something, you start sizing it up on them. You're like, well, they say that they're five foot seven, 147 pounds. I'm five foot eight, you know, 130 pounds. And I think maybe we would wear probably the same shirt. And so, or, you know, hey, I think that would really look good right there in my kitchen or it'd look good in my garage. It'd really help me. And you begin to see yourself using, wearing, utilizing whatever it is you're about to buy, thanks to those good reviews. And it begins, what was once just a thought, all of a sudden now consumes you. And then you realize, oh my goodness. <laughs> My boss asked me to. Uh, the, the leaves are still in the gutters. Um, I was supposed to go pick up my kids a half an hour ago. Uh, my friends are at the mall waiting on me, whatever it is, and um, you haven't done it yet. And so you put your phone down because you're getting ready to go, but then you remembered. You have this. You look at it, and underneath the purchase button, it says, low in stock. And then you're like, oh, man, like, I know that I'm going to buy that, and I really want that, but I don't want to wait because I don't want it to be gone. And so you know that you're supposed to be doing something else, but you just can't help it. So you pick up your phone, and you go back on, and you, 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 you get ready to go purchase it, but then you notice that the person that you want to purchase it from, maybe it's from Prime because it's free shipping, you realize they don't have the size, or they don't have the color, and you're like, oh, goodness gracious. So then you start scrolling through all the people that sell the product to, to determine whether you want to get the right size or you want to get the right color, and, you know, and sometimes you have to make those tough choices. I know, first world choices, you know. Uh, do I really want to pay extra shipping for that shirt, you know? <laughs> and so you scroll through and you finally find the one that you want to buy from. And then you get the questions. I get these questions all the time. You know, it's like, can you really afford? Do you really need? What if she finds out? <laughs> or he finds out? <laughs> And you go to click the save for later button. You do that. I do that, right? Because then you know it's in the cart ready to go. Save for later. But there is something that just overcomes you. It's like the devil himself. The devil made me do it. 
you click the purchase button real quick. And when you look up from your phone, or your computer, or whatever it is you shop on, no, by the way, nobody goes to the store anymore. Hello. Welcome to 2019. You look up and you're like, oh my goodness, it's time to go home. Like my work day's over and I didn't get the one thing done that I was supposed to get done. Or, oh my goodness, I walk outside and the trees are getting bigger in my gutters. Or you forgot, oh my kids are still at school. Like I'm that parent. Oh my goodness. Or I was supposed to be at the party like a half an hour ago. Which, by the way, it's never cool to arrive on time, so that's okay. But the one thing that you were supposed to do, you never did. Because your thoughts suddenly consumed you. What James calls lust becomes sin. And you never get done what you were supposed to get done. In fact, this is how I define sin. By the way, uh, those of you who know me know that I'm not going to like, tell you you're going to hell and we're, you know, we're hellfire and brimstone. This is, this is what sin is. It's just doing something other than what you were designed to do. Sin is just doing something other than what you were designed to do. Just like you were designed for that day to do that one thing and you didn't do it. You were designed for one thing. And you're saying, but yeah, but what about where I go to college? And what about who I'm supposed to marry? Listen, God doesn't care about that. I'm sorry, he doesn't. He only cares that you do one thing and that all these choices stem from that. And that is this, that God lets you and he gives you permission to, and he gives you the opportunity to reflect his very nature and love and grace to people around you. That we get to represent who God is to the people who don't know God. That is the one thing that you get to do in life that God has created you for. And here's what I know to come back full circle. we become consumed with credit issues. We become consumed in our lives with blaming other people, finding fault in other people. The reason my marriage is, the reason why I was late to, the reason why, you know, uh, we got divorced, the reason why this relationship didn't work out, we constantly find fault in other people. And here's what I know. The blame game will put you in bondage. As James says, it will kill you. The blame game will keep you from living life the way God has created you and made you to live. It will hold you back. The reason why we feel less is because we aren't owning up. So here's what I want us to do with our credit issues. Here's what I want you to know today. And this is so important. To grow up, we own up. To grow up, we need to own up. Um, I know that I'm perfect. Thank you for the laugh. I'm assuming that those of you that are laughing sense my sarcasm in that statement. Don't walk out of here and say, the pastor thinks he's perfect. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. I have moments in my life where I need to grow up and I need to own up. The, the other day, um, I was on the phone with a, um, a church planning coach 
who our district has said we'll be more than happy to pay for him to come in and help us out as we launch the table over the course of the next two years, that he would come in and coach us and talk with us and help us. And so I spent two hours on the phone with this gentleman, and it was very helpful, very insightful. I learned a lot that I didn't know about planning churches and things that I should have considered that I never thought about because I'm new to this. I don't know what I'm doing, and, um, and it was really, really helpful and good. And, and then there were some questions at the end of our conversation about some leadership questions, about some things, maybe some decisions that we were making that came into question, and it ultimately involved you know, leadership that was over me. And I thought the conversation was headed in a certain direction. And what I did was I made a statement to him in that moment that totally, totally did not speak highly of the leadership over me. And it was just one line to justify it. It was just one line. It was just one bad comment. And he said to me, he said, you know what, there's a reason why they're there. I think they know what they're doing. And I could feel it. So we got off the phone. And in that moment, I can remember just like this heavy weight upon me. And I kept thinking like, that was so embarrassing. I can't believe I said it because it really doesn't truly reflect how I feel about the leadership and the people over, over me that helped me. And here's what happens when we own up. It's humiliating. Like It's really, really embarrassing. And I knew that in that moment, not only had I jeopardized our opportunity for us to get a, a great church, you know, church planning coach, but I also jeopardized my character and my integrity as a person and as a pastor. And it was so humiliating and it was so humbling and it was so embarrassing. And I just texted him because I knew he was going to a meeting after that. And I said, hey, <laughs> you ever say something stupid you know you shouldn't have said? And I wrote, I need to own it. And it's really embarrassing. But what I said about my leadership is not true and I need to apologize because it was hurtful, it wasn't right. And so I just said, I'm sorry. And in addition to feeling like the biggest jerk and idiot in the world, <laughs> what was amazing was as soon as I sent that text message, there was a sense of freedom. The reason why I tell you to own up and grow up is because you will not find freedom from your own self until you own up. We will never find freedom in our spiritual lives until we own ourselves by owning up. Step on it. Acknowledge it. Step into the moment acknowledging that, hey, I made this mistake. I am a part of the problem. I am the reason why my marriage isn't working out. I am the reason why this failed and didn't go together. I am the reason why I am so negative. I am the reason why I am so angry. And just to be honest, sometimes we are depressed because we're depressing. We don't see life the way God 
wants us to see it. And he's saying, you got to own it. You got to own up to it. And I would say this, there are some of you here today who may not be religious, you may not be followers, you may not think that Jesus is essential to, like an essential oil, essential to living, you know. But there are times when we own it and we step into it and we still feel the guilt and shame of it. And I just want you to know that there's a God who has already owned it for you on the cross. There's a God that, hey, by the way, lets you go through it, but he loves you. And because he loves you, he decided to get up on the cross for you. And in that gave his life for you. And he knows the guilt and shame that you feel when, when you know that you're owning something, when you know that you are the way you are because you are. And he says, listen, I'm dying for all that. And I love the fact, I mean, I don't like the fact that he died, but the whole point of dying is that we put that self to death. The reason why Jesus dies for you is because he wants you to put whatever it is in your life aside and put it to death. It needs to be buried. So you can do something new. So you can do the one thing that you were meant to do. And that was be love to the world around you. And so I would just say for you, you just need to say, hey God, I wanna let you into my life. I'm giving you all of me in this moment. You need to pray that prayer and it will change you. Here's what I want you to do. Here's where we're gonna leave. And, and somebody has instructed me and thank you for this insightful tip. This is the most important part of the message. When I say, here's what I want you to do this week, I'm not saying this is the time we um, get on our phones unless you're taking notes. But the reason why I give you something to do is this is the opportunity for you to literally grow up it drives me nuts when people say, I'm not being fed here. Well, guess what? You're responsible for feeding yourself. By the way, that's scriptural. Paul says that. Feed yourself. Take care of yourself. So I'm helping you by giving you a spiritual practice that will not only help you understand things more about God, but would help you go to a deeper relationship with him. And so here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to ask this question. And I want you to meet with somebody who's a friend, who's a coach, who's a mentor, who's a teacher, who's a parent, who loves you to death. And I want you to ask this question. I want you to first to sit with God and say, hey, what part of me do I need to see? Sit down with God for five minutes this week. And maybe that five minutes will turn into half an hour. I don't know. But ask this question, God, what part of me do I need to see that I can't see? And then I want you to get with a friend. I want to get with somebody who loves you and can speak graciously into your life. And I want you to ask them the same question. Hey, what part of me do I need to see? In fact, I practiced this with Todd last night. I said, hey man, if there's something in my leadership, if there's something in my life that I can't see that you see that needs to be seen, that needs to be talked about, I'm giving you permission to talk to me about that. And you know what he says? He says, you're amazing. If you know Todd, that's like his line, man. I would get a tattoo of Todd on face. You're amazing. <laughs> but that's what I want you to do. And maybe you will begin to understand that you're somebody who constantly talks about. That your attitude towards life is always negative. 
that there's a reason why you shouldn't be talking about people that you're talking about. There's a reason why you're depressed or you have anxiety or you have fear or you feel like life is not the way it should be. But it helps somebody else on the outside helping you realize what needs to happen on the inside. What part of me do I need to see?